Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Thank you so much, Joe. I, I've got something I want you to look at. This is really important. Why don't you take your bulletin and open it up, please? Whether you intended to or not, you came to a Baptist church this morning. Hopefully you intended to. I want you to look over on the side that has the announcements. These are future things coming up. Joe's already talked about the Aggie, uh, feed the Aggie thing. That's important. I want you to look down to the bingo thing. Joe made a comment a few minutes ago. Uh, and, and I'm old enough and have been in a Baptist church long enough to realize that if, uh, if you start with bingo, you're going to end up with dancing, okay? I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Just... But look down at the very bottom of it. There's a little hashtag thing. Can you read that? This is so good. It's not just a Catholic thing. Please hear what I'm going to say, folks. Whatever brand or, or denomination or whatever you were in your background in any religious form, listen to me. God does not want to make you a Baptist this morning. God wants you to become His child. And when we think of Catholics or Baptists or Methodists or Episcopalians or anything like that, guys, let's first, before any other answer, when they ask you, what are you, instead of saying a Baptist, Make sure you say, I am a Christ follower. Oh, by the way, I happen to attend a Baptist church. And oh, by the way, it's not a Baptist thing. and It's not a Catholic thing. It is a Christ thing. And that's why we're here this morning. We're going to be looking this morning at a fellow. We're actually going, we, we kind of went ahead by intent and we're coming back a little bit. We're going to be looking at a fellow this morning named Noah. Now, when we think of Noah, we don't think of Charlton Heston, okay? Charlton Heston is Moses. But we're going to be looking at a guy named Moses, a guy named Noah. And this fellow Noah is a fellow that is faithful to God and, and a faithful builder. A faithful builder of all things. That word faithful sticks to Noah. We've looked in the past few weeks at Adam, a man that God created, that started everything. He started it all. And through Him all were created, and through Him all were cursed. He was created by God's hand, just like you and me, and He chose to follow a lesser God. That lesser God that He chose to follow was His own desire. By the way, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. The fact that God is sovereign, that means He's in charge of everything, and you and I at the same time have free will. Now if God's in charge of everything, why does He make you and me with the ability to choose something other than Him? If you want to know the answer to that, get the CD from Ross uh, for last week's sermon. You can go ahead and, and get that. Guys, God has given you both. And both are a blessing. And listen to me, both can operate in the same space and in your life at the same time. We looked at Adam, this fellow that chose poorly. We looked at Abraham. Abraham was a man that battled the too old to matter syndrome. 
too old. Now guys, the older that I get, there are things that I kind of say, I'd really like to do that again. I can remember doing that, and then I'll go ahead and bore my daughter with more stories about what I used to do, okay? I used to be an All-American in football in the locker room, all right? I was an All-American in the locker room. Sure was. What I see now is when, I, when there's a branch that is hanging over into our yard that is rotted from a gigantic oak tree next door, and I think, you know what? I can climb that. I've climbed plenty of trees. You reach a certain place in your life where you say, I can do that, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and Abraham had already reached that point. You know the story. The guy, the guy wanted children. He and his wife had prayed for children. Nothing. And then God says, oh, by the way, you're going to go ahead and have children. And his comment to God was, I'm too old to do that. Uh, that's not going to happen. God simply said, not only are you going to have a child, but because of the way you're going about it, you're going to end up with two. All right, listen to me, folks. Never argue with God about his plan. He will double up on you if you do. Everybody, amen. That's absolutely true. God showed him that he was just the right age to become a daddy twice. We learn not to try to do the work of God without God when we looked at Abraham. He's the reason for the miracle of life, not you alone. Then the last two weeks we looked at Moses, the leader that was like many of us are this morning. He was eager, he was flawed, he was trusting, and he was fearful of just what God might call us to do. He let a personal flaw of his own, which was anger, set him back throughout his life. But God made a way for him and for Israel to get out of bondage. Now I want to ask you a couple of questions. Did you notice a couple of things that were consistent in every one of these heroes of the Bible? First of all, God used flawed people. God used people that are just like you and me, people that were not all that in a bag of chips, but instead people that were ordinary to do the extraordinary work of Almighty God. There's something else that you need to notice here. God used each one of these heroes, and they came from very, very, what we call now very dysfunctional families. In one case, you had the murder of children murdering each other. In another case, you had a spouse that said, let's go follow this direction instead of this direction. Children that fussed with each other's in-laws that were really outlaws. And sometimes, even in the midst of all of the things that were going on, as God began to try to work in their lives, the enemy of God sprung up and said, I'm going to use the thing closest to you to get to you to try to get you to say no to God. Folks, you and I live in a world right now where God says, I want you to be my hero today so that we'll be able to reach a generation that no one else is reaching. 
I was asked this morning why we have this one flag up. This is the flag of Honduras. We're going to have this up until the completion of the mission trip. Part of it right now is a visual reminder for some of you that God is speaking to you, as Joe said earlier, God is speaking to you about opening yourself up to do something extraordinary, not for yourself, not for the experience, but for God. And if He is calling you to be a part of that mission experience, then the right answer is yes, and the right time to tell God yes is right now. For those of you that God is not speaking to, to about going to Honduras to be a part of this mission, perhaps God is speaking to you to participate by helping someone be able to go and by certainly praying for what God is going to do. God is looking for a church full of heroes that would be about His business like Adam, like Moses, like Abraham, and like Noah that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at two verses this morning. One of them happens to be a verse in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. It's where you would expect to hear the Noah story. The other is, a, is in a wonderful, wonderful commentary that Peter gives about Noah and about how God spared judgment until just the right time. We're going to go ahead and read God's Word. We look at this hero of the Bible, Noah, the guy who built the big ship. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 through 9, and then we're going to read in 2 Peter. Follow along and read with me. But God found favor in the eyes of the, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. This is in 2 Peter 2, 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. May God bless His Word. Please be seated. When we look back at these folks we've studied over the past few weeks, and I shared this last week, sometimes God gives only part of the information about what's going to happen. Some of you have said, you know, I want to I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And God may only give you a little tiny inkling right now, a next step. Because if He were to reveal to you all what you're going to be doing 10 years from now, many of us, like Jonah, would turn around and run the other way. You remember Jonah? One of the heroes of the Bible. Here's what I want you to do, Jonah. Go to the very place that they hate the Jews the most and preach to them that I'm going to destroy their city, Nineveh, if they don't repent. And you know what happened? Jonah said, I'm ready to go, Lord. I'm ready to go that way. And he took off and he headed the exact 180 compass direction away from where God intended to send him. And he went out to sea and he got swallowed by a big fish, took a three-day submarine ride and was burped up on a beach and then finally said, Thus saith the Lord, I'm going to Nineveh. Don't tell God no. I can imagine Jonah sitting there, you know, on the beach, seaweed hanging out off of his bleached white from the acid in the, in, the, in the fish's stomach and there's a guy out there surf fishing and all of a sudden he goes 
there's a guy that's been burped up by a fish, a big fish. And if that guy said, repent, you know what I'd do? I'd repent. And apparently Nineveh believed that because they all repented and got right with God. Here, when we look at, at Noah, we find a guy that, that God gives all of the information to and just enough time to do his work. God didn't tell Moses about the things that the Jews would have to face coming out of Egypt. And he didn't tell Abraham how or when his promised son would come into this world. God simply said it, and that should have been enough for them, but it was not. Sometimes it's not enough for you and me to know what God wants. We want all of the particulars laid out for us. We want every part of the road map set out because in our world, if we don't hear everything laid out for us, we start to improvise. And guys, when we improvise on God's plan, there is always a failure about to happen. What do you do then when you ask God and he says, this is the part of the plan, this is the next step, this is what you're supposed to do. And you say, yes, but I, I want to know more than that. What do you do when you don't get that answer? Listen to me. There's a reason you're not getting an answer from God when you pray. There's a reason. Either number one, the answer is no. You ask God for something and his answer is no. The next answer that God wants you to know is that no may lead you to something better than what you ask for. God is saying, don't settle for that. I've got better for you. Wait for me. And that's the hardest part. When God answers your prayer and says, wait a while, and you and I, as folks that have finite life, unless we're Sam Cooke, who is going to live forever until Jesus comes back, but the rest of us kind of go, you know, I've got a limited shelf life here, and it's getting smaller day by day. And instead, we look at it and say, I don't have time for this, God. I'll just simply take off and share with you. Noah didn't do that. Noah got every single bit of information. With Noah, he tells him everything. A ship that is 300 cubits by 50 cubits by 30 cubits. And the only question that Noah had for God was, what's a cubit? It's a joke. Think about it. It'll come to you. God gave Noah the entirety of the revelation. You're not only going to build this ship, but while you build it, I'm going to go ahead and begin to bless your life. At 500 years old, Noah had three sons. It's told by God to build an ark because the earth is going to be flooded to gather male and female of each species and animal, and to gather food for all of them into this ark. Pretty clear, don't you think? Pretty succinct. Very specific. Most of us would like a God like that. And yet for, Mo for Noah, he ended up going ahead and taking this and going just simply a step further. And that's where we find 2 Peter 
2.5. You see, it took Noah between 100 and 120 years to build the ark. What happens when you build a large ship? By the way, I had my friend Sam Cook tell me this week, there's a difference between a boat and a ship, okay? There's a difference between the two. Sam, what's the difference between a boat and a ship? Real loud. Right. A ship is bigger, okay? If you weren't in the Navy, a ship is bigger. And for all of you Marines out there, you know what the Navy was really for, right? To give us nice rides to where we have to go, all right? And the reality is this boat was not a boat. It was a ship. And it was to carry all of the animals, all of the provision, because there's going to be a flood. So what did Noah do? Noah ends up having the opportunity to become like Adam, to become like Moses, to become like Abraham. Let me ask you this. What would you have said to God if God had told you, this is what I want you to do for the next hundred years of your life? While the rest of your life is going on, this is what I want you to do. Would you have been like Adam and chosen a path that led away from God's plan? Would you have been like Abraham and questioned everything about that plan? Or would you have been like Moses and simply made excuses? Noah simply said yes, and then he did it. He accomplished God's purpose he was faithful to God for over a hundred years in working on that ship and during that time preaching to all that judgment was coming. Now let me ask you this. If you read the story of Noah, is there anywhere in there that God says to him, tell people what's coming? Tell them that judgment is coming. Is there anywhere in there in the Word of God this morning that tells you and me it is our job, our specific duty. We have to leave the, the, the sanctuary of the First Baptist Church and spread out to this neighborhood and this city and this county and this state and this nation and tell people Jesus is coming. And when He comes, everything ends. And if you don't know Him by then, you're in eternity separated from God in a place called hell that was never intended for you. Is there anywhere in the Word of God that says that is your specific duty, you have to do that now? I'm going to tell you, the Bible does not say that in those specific words. But the heart of Almighty God was to give Noah a chance to build a boat a ship that would take over a hundred years. Why? Because God's mercy has you in its sight. How many of you all this morning, the very first time you heard about Jesus, said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to believe in the Trinitarian doctrine and believer's baptism. I want to believe in everything that we in the substitutionary atonement. How many of you all, the very first time you heard the story of Jesus and his death on the cross, decided you wanted him right then? Anybody? Likely not. 
what happened is you saw people, you heard the story, and as God began to chip away with the very thing we talked about earlier on, the Holy Spirit, what, what Joe said, the Holy Spirit who begins to work on your life, it took some time. Isn't it amazing that God did not, in fact, decide to go ahead and end the world before you had a chance to hear about Jesus? Why? His mercy is great. Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, folks. And God in His mercy has held off judgment until this very day to give you and someone you love one more chance. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loved those people that He looked at and condemned and said, I am tired of mankind. They are wicked and I'm going to send a flood. He tells Noah, I'm going to send a flood that will destroy them. And Noah, out of a heart knowing God, being faithful to God, says, I can't go ahead and simply build this boat, this ship, and not tell people why I'm building it. There must have been children that were walking by that half-built ship, hearing Noah speak about the coming doom of the flood. They surely went home to their mothers and fathers and said, I heard a man talking about God, his great anger at the sin in this world, about a flood that is about to come. No doubt these children were told by their parents, I heard the same thing when I was your age, and nothing's happened yet. A parent or a friend or loved one that discounts God's judgment puts others at peril. Those parents didn't know of God's great anger at sin of this world. But God waited years before executing this judgment. Time for Noah to warn. Time for people to repent. And in the end, there is Noah and only seven people that believed what God said. Folks, you and I must be faithful today like Noah was in telling. From Hempstead to Hearn to Honduras, there are folks that pass by hundreds of churches and neglect or ignore God's warning of the coming judgment. They disregard Jesus' offer of forgiveness and salvation and chase lesser gods like money and public acclaim. Followers on Instagram are more important than being a follower of God. But God has put you and me in this time, in this very place, in this city, to be like Noah, to share the truth, even if it is going to be ignored. And listen, folks, not to gloat, while we float. There's going to be a part of us that says, you know, if Christ comes back this very afternoon, we give the invitation at First Baptist Church to come and receive Christ by faith, to come and take the next step in your journey with God. If this were the very last time that I have that privilege to extend God's mercy to you, 
and God comes right at, at 12.01. It's 11.28 now. Get right with God in 32 minutes, all right? And you go ahead and say yes to Jesus. There will be people that you know and that you love that have consistently said no to God. I want you to think about them right now. There needs to be more than just seven this time that come on board. You and I need to be like Noah. God did not go ahead and put a loudspeaker in life of each one of us to go ahead and instantly know the gospel story. It has to be one that is shared. Listen to me. It can be shared with the glory of someone like a Billy Graham, like a David Jeremiah or a Charles Stanley, like a Francis Chan. But folks, there are a finite number of those people the work of the real God is going to be done in your life and in your life and in yours and yours and mine. Where God can get a hold of ordinary people like an Adam, like an Abraham, like a Moses, like a Noah, and call us to do the extraordinary thing of telling the story of Jesus to our family and friends. Sam told me this morning, said, I want a great revival to happen before I die. I want a great revival one more time. God to do a great thing once more. I want to see that too. Matter of fact, I have some particular people that I want to see revived. My sister Barbara, who I haven't bothered to tell about Jesus since the last time she said no. Can you imagine building a large ship and people walking by and mocking and go, there's not a cloud in the sky, Noah. It's taking you, you're never even going to finish this thing. You're already 500 years old. You'll die before this is done. And the mockery and the scorn and how easy it would have been as God closed the door of that ark to be able to say, see and hear the cries and say, I told you so. Guys, listen, in the church of Almighty God, the love of God is supreme. We never gloat over others' agony. We become instead a shoulder where people can cry on with the thought that we can win them ultimately to a faith in Christ. That is the sacrifice this church is to make being here in Navasota in 2019, it will cost us time, it will cost us treasure, and it ultimately will cost you everything that you hope that you can grab yourself. But it costs God His Son, and that's a greater price than we have to give up. I want you to think about your seven. Pick out your seven friends that you want to see in heaven, the ones that don't believe this morning, and then be like Noah. Tell them, say yes to God, and then do it.
pray with me. Heavenly Father, this morning, we oftentimes want to, we want to dumb the story down to just a guy that built a big ship. Noah was so much more than that, a guy that preached for decades and didn't have any return on his work. Father, I pray that we will be people that will be faithful to you like him. This morning, I pray you'll put people on our mind that we will see this week and we have the opportunity to invite them to have a life with Christ. At the very least, Lord, an opportunity to come and worship you next Sunday morning. An opportunity to share Jesus. No excuse, Lord. Don't let us go ahead and simply turn away. You have waited this long for them. You waited this long for us. I pray, Father, that we won't wait any longer to do your work. Some of that work is to be done right now in this worship service, right now in this moment where we have a chance to say yes to you. If there's someone here that has not yet said yes to Jesus, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to their heart and draw them to you, not to a church, not to a Baptist church, but, Father, to you. If there are folks here that would say, I want to plant myself in a church family that is about reaching people and touching lives and doing what God wants me to do, if this is that home for them, then God give them that purpose, that call, and that affirmation that this is that time and that place to say yes, to plant their lives in this church family. More than that, Lord, humble us to the place where we will get out of the way so you can do work through us and to us so you'll be glorified. This time is about you. Our answer should be yes, and I pray that it will. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. This being a Baptist church, we have at this portion of the service a hymn that is played. For some of you that didn't grow up to be Baptist, this hymn is not the end of the service per se. It is an opportunity for you to say, I'm responding not to the preacher's word, but to what God is speaking to me, inside of me, speaking for me to do. If God is calling you this morning to a relationship, a first-time relationship with Jesus Christ, this is that time to say yes. He's calling you to come and join this church family. This is that time. We sing this song prayerfully that God will draw you to that next step in your walk with Jesus. If He's speaking your name, calling your name, and you say yes, I would love to pray with you about it here at our altar. As we stand together and as we sing, you come as God leads.